Good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and we are back with another fun-filled week of wrestling. Yes, I said fun-filled because I actually enjoyed what happened in wrestling this last week. And this week, the, tonight, I am joined by the CEO of the We Can't Wrestle podcast and WrestleNet Radio, the host of Slice of Time, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and co-host of the Reliving, Reliving the Extreme podcast with Aaron and Chad Austin, uh, Mr. Nate Maxson. Welcome to the show, Nate. It is a pleasure to be here, Archie. Been a while since you've been on. It's been about yes. a month or so. Haven't haven't idea. haven't been on the show in a while, but I know sometimes there we don't talk about modern product on the other shows a lot of times. So right. if I actually have something to say, this is where I'm going to come. So. And you know the door is always open. So I don't. I enjoy having you on here. Uh, like I said, Nate, it was actually a fun filled week of wrestling mm-hmm. without a lot of the. Um, oh my god, it's, this is boring. I can't watch it anymore. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> So, um, so go ahead, guys. Crack open your favorite frosty beverage, strap in, and get ready for the bumpy ride as I spew my love for professional wrestling for the first time because there isn't a whole lot of venom or hate. Um, we're gonna go ahead and start off with the quick hits, Nate. And the only quick hit we have this week that was really of news value because everything else came out last week. Uh, Triple H becoming the head of creative and the you know uh, president of uh, talent relations again. Uh, and all the other news that came out last week, the only one that was of value this week is Nick Aldish did a shoot interview on the Busted Open podcast where he basically shat all over mm-hmm. Billy Corgan and the NWA. And not so much the NWA, but Billy Corgan. Yes. You know, uh, it was, some things I took away from the interview was how Nick mentioned that he wasn't paid his first year working for the NWA. He didn't take a paycheck because they really couldn't afford to pay him. That alone says great wrestler to me, great you know, man of the company. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um he uh and he is a fantastic wrestler, and I hope mm-hmm. that if he's parting ways with the NWA um for good, I hope he lands either AEW or WWE. I right. would I, with him, I would have said probably three months ago, I would have said I hope he lands in AEW. Not necessarily right. because I'm such a huge AEW fan, because I'm not, but just because Eh, I don't know what Vince would have done with Nick Aldis, but right. with this with this new with the new WWE, thought I'd never say those words. You right. never know what Triple H might do with Nick Aldis. Exactly, and there's no bad blood between what happened with Mickey James and that whole garbage bag full of her stuff because that wasn't under the Triple H regime. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's no bad blood. Like he he mentioned a million times in other interviews, he didn't want to work for Vince McMahon because he was afraid of becoming a comedy act or just another guy on the roster. Another thing I took away from this uh, interview, Nick, was that he mentioned that during the the pandemic, he gave up part of his contract, some of his money, to retain some of the stars. You know, like if Eddie Kingston wanted to stay or any of the people who left for AEW – Aldis was willing to help pay for them to keep them around because, mm-hmm. you know, COVID was keeping them from working. Again, that's his company, man. But yet Billy Corgan is saying, oh, you politic, you do this. You, you know, you said it on NWA after the tournament happened just now that Aldis is always politicking and wants to be in the spotlight. I don't see it that way. No, no. And also, if the first thing that surprises me is how is Billy Corgan not able to pay him? Right. Um, secondly... Right. Um, 
I think that what Billy doesn't understand, like you said, first of all, company man. Secondly, okay, you're always politicking and you want to be in the spotlight. Well, who should you spotlight if you don't right. spotlight Nick Aldis? Look at the roster, and I'm not dissing Trevor Murdoch. I'm not dissing no, not Mike Knox. I'm not dissing Mike Knox. I'm not dissing anybody else. I'm just saying, you know, if you have having Nick Aldis in your NWA promotion is like having your Ric Flair or your right. Hulk Hogan or whatever. You know, you want to right. you want to make sure your top star is happy, right? And this guy went around the world defending your title when you didn't have a TV channel to be on. You know, when you were just starting out on YouTube, he went to AEW and lost the belt to Cody and then won back at the, at the NWA show to make that show more prominent. He wrestled in Japan. He wrestled in England. He was taking the NWA title and making it prominent again. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that Aldis said, which I, I commend him for because, you know, I'm not the biggest Matt Cordona fan. He mentioned that you allowed me to build up your company so that Matt Cordona can come in and shit on it all right. because he's got YouTube followers and podcast followers. And then when the guy got injured, he didn't even want to give up the title. They had to beg him to give up the title off air and on television. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it was like, okay, we're going to let him lose it to Trevor because Trevor deserves a right title run. But now we need to blow off match between me and Trevor. So why wouldn't you allow that match to happen? Right. You know, but instead it's no, Nick Aldis is is politicking. He's bad for the company. And I'm going to put Tyrus in the title match. Okay, that look, Tyrus has built himself up as a monster in NWA. And people seem to like him. He does have a following. So I think a Tyrus versus a Trevor Murdoch match wasn't a bad idea, but not at NWA 74, which is like their WrestleMania. Right. You know, their their anniversary show. So it just it, it's blowing my mind that Billy would let this happen. Or some people have even said this now, Nate, is this all a work? And are we going to see Nick Aldis walk back out during NWA 74 and get into maybe a power struggle with Billy Corgan? And that's not entirely on, that's not entirely out of the question either. Um, And if it is good on them, you know, it's, it's, it, I I always like it, especially in the post kayfabe era of wrestling when they can trick us. Right. You know, I want to be, I want, I want to be tricked. (laughs) Right, I want I want to feel like oh you got one over on me okay let's right see where you're gonna go from here now, you know yes um, in any indication Nigel this is an incredible talent he has been those last couple of years he was in TNA where they finally made him the world champion uh, and then he honed his craft when he got to the NWA and they made him into that self made guy like Ric Flair was like you mentioned mm-hmm. that he is their Ric Flair yes and in my opinion. If he did step into a world wrestling entertainment or in AEW, the right move, not that it needs a mouthpiece in any way, but maybe you get an Arn Anderson as his manager, you know what I mean? And make him into that Ric Flair mold still. You know, tonight on NWA, on uh, Crockett Promotions during the Ric Flair last match, I noticed they put Brock Anderson and uh, Brian Pillman Jr. together. And they had okay. to represent the horsemen. That's mm-hmm. not a bad idea. You put an Anderson and Pillman with Nick Aldis. Right. Maybe you mix in a Tessa Blanchard so you got the horseman names around him. You could even Arnett you could even uh you could even work in um uh I don't know. I don't even know if he's interested in wrestling anymore, but reach out to Bo Dallas. He's a Wyndham. Right. You know right. exactly. Exactly. And then you've got all the horsemen, second generation, third generation stars around this guy. 
with Arn Anderson as the J.J. Dillon, you know what? It sounds like something that might work to me. And if he can't do it in AEW and he's going to stick around the NWA, then the NWA needs to pay these guys to come in. Right. And, you know, and give him a, a solid Ric Flair treatment. You know, let him win the title again. Let these, let them have a, a group around him to keep that title around him. Because in my opinion, I love Trevor Murdoch. I like Tyrus. I like a lot of the guys on their roster. But it's a lot like if you had Ric Flair on a, a roster with the Malkies, the Ding Dongs, and you know what I mean? All <laughs> yes. the, the back-end guys that were just there as enhancement talent mm-hmm. for right now until they build up somebody else, you know? So. Yes. But that's just my uh, my figuration on the uh, what's going on there. Uh, next in line, um, we're going to do the Grinds by Gear um, segment a little early here, Nate. You know what I do on the show. I rant at times. I don't get too loud because it's usually late at night when I'm filming. And I don't want to wake up the whole house with me yelling at the top of my right. <laughs> But um, the Grinds My Gear segment this week, I told you guys I was going to cover Ric Flair's last match, and that's what it is this week, Ric Flair's last match. The undercard was good with some dream matches like the American Wolves versus the Machine Guns and Jacob Fatu taking on Joss Alexander for the Impact title. Both of those matches were show stealers. The Briscoes had a great outing against Devon Erics, which Devon Erics, in my opinion, are an underrated tag team that need to be on a major stage like AEW or the WWE. They they um, are very they are very good. Oh, as are the Briscoes, but yeah, the Devon Erics definitely are very good. Um, they're as good they're as good as their dad. Yeah, you know, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And it's just it's, it's they've been floundering in MLW. They've already done all they could there. You know what I mean. Put them on a major stage, see what they could do. What's the worst that could happen? They fail. Right. You know what I mean? Or they, they're not that great, so we leave them in the mid-card tag team division. It's no big deal. You know what I mean? It, it's happened before. But undercard was good. They they overplayed the thank you, Ric Flair videos from like all the celebrities and wrestlers that they had. We saw the Cody Rhodes and Sting's video three times each. And wow. I love Cody and I love Sting. But it was a three-hour show, and, like, every hour on the hour, they'd play those videos. And it was like, okay, we get it. They love Rick, but enough is enough. You know what I mean? Right, yes. <laughs> play somebody else. And then we got Jim Ross. was like, I wish I could have been there, Rick, but I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> just couldn't make it. And what I kind of got out of it is but they were, weren't going to allow him to announce, so he didn't want to be there. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. So they showed guys in the audience like The Undertaker and uh, Mick Foley Diamond Dallas Page, J.J. Dillon, a bunch of other wrestlers in the crowd. Kid Rock was there, so now two nights in a row, he was on SummerSlam and at the Ric Flair last match. (laughs) Kid Rock's a huge wrestling fan, ladies and gentlemen. But then we get to the Ric Flair's last match. Nate, this is what I don't understand. This man had six months of of prepping for this match. Yeah, we saw the videos. I, I get it. He's 73. I don't expect somebody 73 to be buff and, and built and cut and, you know, looking like. But he came out wearing a T-shirt under the robe and never took the T-shirt off. He wrestled in a shirt. I didn't get to see the show, but I saw I saw some pictures and small videos so far. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought when I saw that, I thought um, it's like the uh, – if you remember when he was – super out of shape and his self-esteem was bad for the final nitro. He wrestled right. Sting in a shirt. 
And but his arms still look good. His legs still look good. Right. You know. What yes. I mean? Here it was all flab. He looked old. He looked. He looked slow coming to the ring. When he went to take the belt off, he had to call somebody over to help him take the belt off. That's how. Wow. Slow he was this evening. Andrade looked fantastic. Jarrett had a great entrance. And Lethal looked great as well. But then the match started. This was hard to watch and very bad in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Flair was slow, could barely get up from the beginning of the match, and didn't look good at all. And when I mean couldn't get up from the beginning of the match, Nate, he did a headlock takedown, and then the referee had to push Lethal back into the corner so Rick could turtle up off of the ground. Wow. You know what I mean? And then yeah. slowly get to his feet. Uh, now, again, I was not expecting 80s or 90s Ric Flair. Please understand this, guys. But I expected him to look in better shape and healthier than he did. And I expected Andrade to do most of the match and Lethal and Jared to protect Flair. Mm-hmm. But they did a spot where they did a suplex on him, and they almost took him to the top rope for the superplex. And after they did the suplex, Rick laid there for about a good two minutes and couldn't move. He looked dead. I, I literally a couple times thought, oh, God, this man just had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then Flair and Andrade won the match, but the ending was total and utter ridiculousness. They hit him with a shoe. He bled because Ric Flair has to bleed or cry during the match. That's always yes. one of his <laughs> two things. He has to get some kind of liquid out of his face. <laughs> um they they then Jared hit Lethal with a guitar, which okay, that's fine. It's Jeff Jared, you're gonna hit somebody with a guitar. It was a mis- mistake, miscue. Andrade took out Lethal, took out Jared, got some brass knuckles, which I'm sure were made of blue chew because they came from Conrad Thompson. Oh my. And he went to go hand them to Rick, who was still laying on the ground. Rick was convulsing and couldn't hold the brass knuckles in his hand. He literally the hand collapsed and they fell out of his hand. And then Andrade helped him to his feet. He decked Jared with the hand that he had the brass knuckles in. Jared fell. And then Rick literally collapsed to one knee and then covered Jared. Man. He, he literally he couldn't get up after the match. They had to literally coax him up and get him to the ring ropes so he could slide out. He went and he said, thank you to The Undertaker and, and Bret Hart and Mick Foley for being there. Bret Hart only showed up during the last two minutes of the main event, by the way. He was not there all night. Okay, so I'm sure he didn't want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Tony, Tony Schiavone begins to interview him. And he totally shits on Shawn Michaels in the first two minutes. Really? His exact words were, it's not often you get to have your retirement match, let alone two, and have the second one be better than the first. Oh, my God. Now, what does that sound like? You know, his match at, at WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels was legendary. There was no better. And then you do that because of this garbage that you've got a payday off of. Right. And that that's that's always been my thing to me in my brain. 2008, WrestleMania, that's Ric Flair's yeah. last match. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, I wouldn't even, I, I didn't even, I've never seen any of his matches from TNA because I refused to watch him. He only night. had one, and it was a, 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 a horribleness of him and Jay Lethal just to put Lethal over. Okay, at least he put Lethal over. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen any of the Hogan matches that he had overseas with Hogan during that tour. Right. You know what I mean? Except they're both bleeding profusely. But, I mean, it, it, look, I, I have to say this because I'm a Ric Flair fan. But in my opinion, this was an all-time low for wrestling. Because in the regard of, and I know that that was a movie, but this is wrestling. So 
It's kind of like a movie. If you remember the movie Rocky Part 5 or 6, when he wants to get relicensed, mm -hmm. and they tell him no, they won't license him in the city of Philadelphia to fight, why would you license Ric Flair to wrestle anywhere in the United right. States? Well, and I have thought this from the beginning, and I'm just going to say it, and it is what it is. Um, I I look at this whole thing as uh, exploitation, mm -hmm. and I really, honest to God, think that... And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not I'm not inside the situation. I don't know. But from the beginning of this whole thing, I thought, well, that's convenient. Starcast weekend, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Exactly. I, I have really honest to God thought that at some point Conrad talked him into this shit. And, Possibly. and you know, and, and and it was kind of exploiting exploiting mm -hmm. Rick to make a buck. That is ego the right way. Hey, you're Ric Flair. You can deserve a last match. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know? And 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 you you know you're you're talking you know you're talking to a man <laughs> with a large ego, so you can convince him to do it. Right. And on top of it, I was thinking, like when I saw tonight, when I saw the pictures and I saw him bleeding all over the place, I'm like, this is a man that fucking what went it like two years ago he coded. Mm -hmm. He was he was practically dead. Right. Um right. and now he's bleeding. Yeah, he's bleeding all over the place, and I don't know. It's like I said, I I have not watched it. I I debated. I had to work tonight, so I didn't. I wasn't going to be able to watch it live anyway. I've gone back and forth whether or not I was going to order it. I don't know if I am or not. I just if I don't you, know. If you do watch it, if anybody hasn't watched it yet, and someone decides to watch it, guys, I'm going to tell you now. Don't go into it with high. If you want to watch the undercard and be high high hopes, go ahead. It was a great undercard. But if you watch the Ric Flair match and you're thinking, wow, this is the Ric Flair legacy coming to an end, no. That man is a shell of his former self. I am a 30-year Ric Flair fan, okay, dating back to before he got to the WWF in the NWA mm -hmm. and in WCW. And then when he got to the WWF, I marked out. You know what I mean? I have, been, I have the belt. I have a shirt. <laughs> the only thing I don't own is a robe, and I'm sure one day I will. Right. Okay? <laughs> But it was not, it was, it was like watching, well, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry to all my fans and to you, Nate, and I've, I've lost a grandfather too. It was like, if you've ever watched a loved one pass away, but for 20 minutes, right? you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was, and not that he died because he didn't die, obviously. Hopefully yeah. he does it in the next few days. We don't hear yeah. about him, but it was like watching somebody struggle as they were ending their life. You know, mm -hmm. he was he, he was he was weak. He was falling down. He was he needed help up. Thank God Andrade was there because it's his son-in-law and Jeff, who he's had a relationship with for thirty years, and legally who he's had one for twenty years. Right. But they didn't seem like they were taking care of him enough, not to have to be down on the mat that many times and then have to get up the way that he was. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it just it, it's ridiculous and. Like I said, it's it's one of those things that when that match started, they should have put like a graphic nature logo on the screen and told you don't you know what I mean? Parental advice, advi right? Yes, this might be just this might be disturbing to some viewers. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's my feelings on Ric Flair's last match. I've read comments already of people who have said, "Oh, his legacy was so great, and I still love him." And I marked out when he came out because he came out with the big gold belt on underneath the robe, and that yeah, mm -hmm. that was great. That was great. 
But then when you noticed he kept a T-shirt on afterwards and you noticed the way he was bumping and the way that he was killing himself, you sort of looking at him going, okay, okay this is not a mark out moment. Right. It's crowd, sad. Crowds, he delivered a, a headlock takedown and then got up real slowly. And the crowd's chanting, you still got it. And I'm like, got what? <laughs> right. <laughs> what has he got exactly? Because all he did was a headlock takedown. And he can't get up. You know what I mean? And the crack up is, is Ricky Morton fought earlier in the night. He teamed with his son, Kerry, to take on Brock Anderson and Brian Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. And Ricky can still bump. Ricky yes. is still in Ricky Morton shape. He's not in great shape, but he's in Ricky Morton shape. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the, the rock and roll fans were never muscular dudes or exactly you know, trying to be. But at least he was in Ricky Morton shape. Ric Flair was in, oh, Jesus, my granddad just turned 100 and he's still alive shape. Right. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, I don't know how anyone got him a wrestling license, what they said, what they did. Especially, like you said, two years ago, him almost dying, being in a coma. And has a pacemaker now, and you know, like, really, we could have just had him appear at Starcast and been a manager and gotten the same result. Exactly. You yes. Know. Moving on to our show reviews. First show on the docket is SummerSlam that happened this past Saturday, uh, and Nate, it is definitely, in my opinion, the beginning of the Triple H era. Yes, and 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 what I will say is, from everything that I've read, everything that I've heard, or talked to anybody about, the general consensus within WWE was because Vince, you know, obviously Vince had booked out to SummerSlam, right? Of course. Um, so they were going to generally, generally respect his wishes as far as results and stuff mm-hmm. went. They did make some changes, of course. Um, that if there's anything that, that comes to my mind as we're discussing the show, I will I will not, I will acknowledge those changes. Of course, but um, overall, the people that kept their titles kept their titles that Vince was going to have champions. Right. Some match things were changed, etc. But yeah, it's like I said uh, the other day, or I guess yesterday while the show was airing. Right. For those of us that have been fans for forty years. This was, was the last, the, the, last, the last paragraph of Vince McMahon's story he's been telling us for 40 years. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. never thought I'd see it. <laughs> well, I never thought I'd see it while he was alive. Let me put it right, that way. Right, right. I thought we were going to, you know, here he was, you know, he, he wasn't retired, but getting sickly, he went home to be with his family, but was still seeing over the day-to-day operations from home. And then eventually, at, you know, maybe 80 uh, Vince McMahon passed away today, and his daughter is taking over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Normal, like we expected. Not had to leave because of what he did, but hey, what are you going to do? So, what do you, you think? Know? Do you think? And I, I mean, we'll get into the show. I don't want to get in the weeds. Yeah. But do you think? Do you think Vince is like Michael Corleone? Do you think when he dies, he's just going to be sitting there, yeah, all by himself? Oh, he won't be by himself. No, he'll be with his grandchildren around him, probably. See, I picture Vince dying. Alone, I, I really do. Of, I don't know. I just I just, pic- I just picture him sitting in the chair and just passing on because he doesn't have anything to do anymore. Maybe and, you might be right. You might be right. <laughs> you know, just, not him not being in the WWE twenty four seven. He might just pass away the next year or so because he's so yeah. It's you know, like Aaron, to it's do. like it's like Aaron said on a recent show he did. He's he's a shark, and you yep. know when sharks stop moving and stop eating. Yep. And yeah, I don't know, but anyway. They know. You never I can tell. I mean, he's going to be busy the next couple of years, obviously, defending himself in a cold oh, yeah. wall. 
So oh, yeah. he'll have something to keep him busy. But well, and I hate to make a bad joke, but he could pull a Jimmy Snooker, and if he passes away, they'll just drop all the charges. Oh no! See, and I thought about that too. Like, okay, <laughs> I swear, folks, we'll get into SummerSlam. <laughs> but I thought about that. That somebody brought up something about the Jimmy Snooker thing, and I said, you know what, Vince might do that. He might stop dyeing his hair and start stop working out, so that when he goes right. to court, he looks like a feeble old man. Right. You know, to try to get the sympathy. <laughs> and I don't know. I can see him doing it. He's a worker. He's, you know, he's remember, a carny. Remember the movie Goodfellas? They wielded all those old uh, dinosaurs uh, of uh, yeah. mafia bosses in, and they all had their air tanks and their nurses with them mm-hmm. trying to get the <laughs> Yep, that'll be Vince. <laughs> he might be right. He might just be like right. he, just like he, just like he put the neck brace on in '92. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, show opens uh, with the announcers hyping tonight's matches. We go immediately to the ring, and we get our opening match, which in my opinion, and I hate to say this early on, but we, I, we already watched the whole show you and I made. Mm. This was the match of the night. It was Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. I've never been a huge Bianca Belair fan, but she she got me in this match because she actually had a great match with Becky. Um, incredible opening match that saw these two rivals pull out all the stops. Uh, they battled inside and outside of the ring, and we even saw the KOD on the outside, which I thought was incredible because you don't really see women pull off their finishes on the outside. Right. You know. Um, the match was fantastic. Uh, I think it was actually better than the WrestleMania match. I agree. And this is one I can say, insider information. This is one where, oh, well, okay. The finish, the, the, the winner wasn't changed. Right. But something from after the match was based right. on Vince's original plans. But no, I thought this match was fantastic. I thought that they 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 worked very well together. Um, the chemistry and, was perfect. Yes, and what they did great in this match leads into the end of it. Was if right. you notice, they didn't wrestle. How do I want to say it? They they didn't wrestle like a heel versus a baby face. They wrestled right. like two. Just competitors, right? Like try, you crowd, know. I, crowd picked up on that because they were cheering for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you know, you're, you know, they're both wrestling. Like my opponent's really good, so I'm not going to be a heel or a babyface. I'm just going right. to try to beat my opponent. Right, right. Uh, the Spanish fly from the second rope was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that ro- that move done from such a low angle. It's usually from the top rope. Now, was that and when then, the was that when the uh, was that when Becky started favoring her shoulder? I can't remember. No, that was that was Becky delivered a uh, top rope stunner. Okay, and, yes, that was it. And yes. then she came down on her shoulder, and you immediately saw a bruise, and she began rubbing her shoulder, and I was like, okay, she might have injured herself slightly, or just got like a sting, uh, a, a stinger, you know what I mean? Something that freaked her out, you know? Yeah. But the, the, we saw the Spanish fly that got followed by the KOD, and then 19 minutes in, after a very enjoyable opener, Bianca Belair... Retains the title, which I, you know what? In my opinion, she put Becky over in 23 seconds last year. This year, she deserved to go over. These are the kind of things that sometimes, and, and I'm going to bring Vince up, that sometimes people jump the jump the gun on criticizing right. Vince. Exactly. Vince likes or liked long-term, long-term storytelling. Right. It's made events. Everything else was like, yeah, throw it out. I'll rewrite it tomorrow. But with his main event people, he liked long-term storytelling. And really, these two women have been feuding for a year. Yes, yes. So, no. For a year. 
when people criticized last year Becky beating Bianca so fast, Vince actually had a plan probably for it to climax a year later and let Bianca go over. Right. Right. And and in a good match, it wasn't like Bianca won in 20 seconds now and beat her quickly. They actually told the story in the ring and got their point across that Bianca is a dominant champion. Yes. Um, post-match, Becky and Bianca shook hands and embraced, which I thought was great. Because after a year of battling somebody, you either gain their respect or you're still bitter and you walk away. Mm-hmm. This was good. And I, I guess the feud is over because, Nate, we saw the return of Bailey which I marked out for because I am a Bailey fan. Mm-hmm. And then with Bailey, we saw the return of Dakota Kai. Which I marked out for. <laughs> uh, me too, because she didn't deserve to be fired from NXT a few months ago. And the return of the injured Io Shirai, who will now go by the name Io Sky, which people are shitting on, but I don't care because she is the genius of the sky. So let her be called Io Sky. I don't care. Yes. And that so was what I was going to say. Two things that I learned um, about the uh, aftermath of this match that were changed. Firstly, in Vince's plans, apparently, and this is for Meltzer, and we we like to make fun of Meltzer. Right. I never make I never make fun of Meltzer's news reporting. I just make fun of his opinions. As far as right. news go, Dave goes. Dave Meltzer's a good source, right? But according to Dave Meltzer. At the end of okay, first of all, Vince McMahon wanted not this. This faction was po- was posed to him a month or so ago, and he shit on it and said no way. So the right. Bailey faction is a change from his original plan, and also apparently in his original plan, <laughs> Becky was not going to walk out of this night a babyface. She was still going to be a heel. Right. So, but I think making her a face again is the best decision. I She's agree. so much better as a face. And they're heel heavy right now in the women's division. Yeah, I mean, turn to me, turning her heel was like turning Austin heel. It was a mistake. It was, but it paid off because she got a couple of good matches out of Oscar and out of Bianca, and she feuded with Liv for a little bit, so it helped right. evaluate some stars. But at least we could go back to either her being the man now and actually being a, a, a heel face, you know, tweener, or you know, she becomes a full blown face and her and Bianca battle this new faction which I'll be honest I haven't seen a good woman's faction in quite some time mm-hmm. that yep. w- I hope this one has longevity because the last one we got with Paige Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville lasted what three months what was the yeah. um, and, and you know how I am with modern products sometimes my, I have I have ADD when it comes to anything after, okay. two, after okay. 2005 but um, what was the faction with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan the riot squad. Yes, the riot squad. That should be obvious. I thought they were good. They just didn't get. They never they really was, put them. They never put them over like they should have. Well, I mean, the way they came in, where they beat the crap out of Becky and Charlotte and Naomi, and then again fell flat, and it was just like, okay, now you're going to lose all the time. Well, then why did you have them come right. and beating the crap out of people then? Exactly. You know, just they view them normal then, and they just let them lose. You know, they're okay. They're an enhancement talent. But everybody was so psyched for them because of what they did in NXT that when they showed up in in main roster, we're like, okay, good, they're 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 here to make a change. But then, nope, Charlotte's winning again. Okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, but thank you, Hunter, for the return of of Bailey, which I'm sure she was due back from injury anyway, and the returns of Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. Uh, it's good to see the women's division getting pumped up a little bit again. Yes. Um, 
We go to a vignette for the Logan Paul and Miz match. I'm not really into this match. I have to be honest. All right. But the video was well done. That's one thing WWE will always do is the videos for their matches. The, the vignettes yeah. well, will always get you hyped. I said it on Aaron's show this week. I think WWE, their tele, their uh, video production staff is is on par with NFL films. They're that good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Uh, so we go to the ring. Uh, like I said, I'm not really into this one, but then proved me wrong. they proved me wrong. Mm-hmm. This took care of the opening of the match and protected Paul well. Paul looked a little weak and sloppy at first because he was only a second match, you know, but then started to get better. Uh, I have to say, Logan Paul kind of outdid a few guys on main rosters in other companies, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and he, my thing about him is, and to be honest with you, he annoyed me before he came to WWE. Mm-hmm. But the thing I see in him is he, and this is what I appreciate about it, somebody that comes in from the outside. You can tell that he loves this and he wants to do good. Right. He's putting in the work for it. Yes. You know, he's not just shitting on it by going, I could be a wrestler, and then he's falling flat on his face. Right. Him, him, Bad Bunny, and Pat McAfee are definitely three celebrities that they brought in that actually excelled at being brought in, in my opinion. I thought they were going to be horrible, but they actually showed me something. You know how I love Pat. We'll get to him later on. Oh, yeah. We'll get to him later on because he definitely had a good showing. Uh, Ciampa got involved and this brought out AJ Styles, which I'm all for a Tommaso Ciampa versus AJ Styles feud. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean? especially with Triple H booking it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that means Ciampa's going to go over big time. Right. AJ don't need to <laughs> rub right now. <laughs> uh, Maurice then tried to get involved and uh, the, the distraction caused, which I didn't ever understood. Miz went, I, I've been questioning this for two days now. Miz went to go grab that card that he had in that, like, holder mm-hmm. to go hit Logan Paul. What was that going to do? Because it's a plastic card holder. Right. Like, how <laughs> much damage was he really going to do? It wasn't like it was Maurice's uh, purse or something like that. But, okay. Paul ducked out of the way. He had a skull crushing finale, and he got the win. But I have to say, the spot of the night was seeing him jump from the top rope, Shane McMahon style, and deliver a frog splash to the Miz on the table. And he was like, like when I looked at that, I I swore to God he was not going to make it. And it was almost right. like a, it was almost like a video game. It was like his body stretched three feet taller. Yeah. Or it was amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. He delivered it perfectly, though. We got to win. Decent to good match, in my opinion, for a celebrity match. It it told the story. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only problem is, is the fans are literally cheering the Miz and booing Logan Paul because he's been, you know, he's he's that guy that's from social media that no yeah. one really likes. The outsider. He's going to have to prove himself. Right, right. Uh, tons of commercials on Peacock after this and then no hype in between the matches, which was kind of ridiculous. There was something, literally five minutes of Peacock commercials. Something I had of note that I actually mm-hmm. wrote down while I was watching the show was you, sp- you spoke on commercials and videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, I, I mean, I'm sure people noticed, but I don't know if you really noticed. Two people that weren't on the show that are Triple H people that are obviously going to be a big part of his future plans for the company were Kevin Owens and Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. Because they both got 
those hype videos. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Kevin Owens is going to be so good under Triple H. Oh, he's a, he's a Triple H guy. And Charlotte's Charlotte. You know, I, I, right. I don't ever want to say I'm not a fan of Charlotte. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm a fan. I, I am a fan of Charlotte as a heel. I am never a fan of Charlotte as a baby face. But right. um, those two are obviously in the plans. I just wanted, like I said, I wrote that note down because I was like, they took the time out to make videos for these two people when there's a reason right. for Right. Well, it was like their way of saying, look, we're still here. You know what I mean? We're, we're not, yes. we didn't make it on the card because Charlotte's still obviously on honeymoon or whatever. And, you know, Kevin Owens is still in the feud with um, Ezekiel. I was about to call him Elias, but it was just a ton of commercials though, besides the hype videos. And it's like, you showed me a commercial to, to buy Peacock. Well, I already have Peacock, so I don't right. see this. You know what I mean? Shouldn't this yeah. be on the Peacock, the non-premium service that I'm not paying for? Exactly. I mean? Yes. So we then go to Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley. This was a blow-off match for this feud. And Theory attacked Lashley early and went after his ribs. Lashley fought back and just began running him over. It was almost like, well, Vince is gone, so let's beat the crap out of Austin Theory. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that there's 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 probably a, a a and judging by judging by the end of the show, which we'll get to, yeah. I think there's probably a feeling that you know the old man wasn't dumb and he saw something in this kid. Right. And this kid does have potential, but it's not his time. Slow burn. Let yes. him build it up. You know, if he is gonna cash in whatever he does, whether it be in the main event tonight. Or six months down the road, you have to let it be slow because what if we give him the title and he pulls a Dolph Ziggler and gets injured or right. isn't ready for it? We don't know, you know. So, in any case, though, there was no coming back for Theory. Lashley locked in the hurt lock and got the tap out victory in eight minutes. A little weird that it was that quick, Nate, but for what it was, it was good. And I guess they were kind of saving Theory for later. Well, that's what I was going to say. Out, that's know? what I was going to say. The match did what it's supposed to do. It was effective. Uh, Bobby Lashley should always look like a monster and always look Dominant, impressive. Yes. And also, it built some anticipation for me because when I see a guy like Theory who has the money in the bank get squashed out like that, your your wrestling brain turns on. You go, oh, that probably means he's going to get something. He's going to win later. Right. You know, you two so, hours to heal up. Right. You know. But uh, I'm 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 hoping this now moves Lashley into a different feud, and allows Theory to either focus on the Money in the Bank or whatever they're going to do with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got heat with everybody. He's got heat with Drew McIntyre. He's got heat with Roman Reigns. So you never can tell who Austin Theory is going to hit next. You know what I mean? Yes. One thing I did notice though, and this happened on SmackDown the night before, Austin Theory hit Drew McIntyre over the head with the briefcase. So I'm assuming under the Triple H regime and the TV 14 banner that we're going to be having um, headshots are allowed again. I would say, what do you, what do you say sparingly when they mean right. something, you know, right. you, you're obviously with, with CTE and all that, you're never going to go back to like <laughs> mankind in the rock right. or anything like that. But I think when it means something and the two guys are working safely, uh, a chair shot to the head, might be effective again, you know. It could be, it could be. I mean, I'm tired of seeing guys get hit in the gut and then get hit in the back a lot. Yeah, that just doesn't pay off because to me, that doesn't really. Hurt. I mean, it hurts, but how bad could it really hurt? 
You mm-hmm. know, when the guy's up two minutes later and hitting now hitting you with the same chair shot. Exactly. Know? So we then go straight to the Mysterios versus Balor and Priest. Uh, pretty good tag match with both teams hitting some nice double team moves. Will work early on. Dominic Mysterio has started to grow on me slightly, but I think it's because he let his hair grow longer and he's got a mustache now. He's looking like Eddie. He looks like a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, but he—it's like he's—he's he's really trying his hardest to look like Eddie Guerrero <laughs> to get that storyline over. You know, <laughs> you know what? That's good. Long—that's long-term storytelling. One years later, we yeah. were—we were in the um, in an uh, asylum uh, pay-per-view chat. You were in it too, and one of the uh, members said they should have Dominic join the Judgment Day. And then come out and go, Eddie was my poppy. And then just drop the mic and walk out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, they had a, they had the match won, though. Balor and, and Priest had the match won a couple of times. But then out of nowhere, with an incredible entrance. Yes. Straight out of the brood, only remixed. Edge made his return. He's been behind the cryptic videos we've been seeing, which everybody felt that it was him anyway. Uh, because of all the teasers and everything that was going on. Edge hits the ring, takes out Priest, takes out Balor, allowed the Mysterios to hit a double six one nine and get the win at the seventeen minute mark. Good match and great to see Edge back, in my opinion. And it, the the way that it played out, it didn't hurt anyone. All right, so no. the, Mysteri- the Mysterios got their win. The Judgment Day lost, but they didn't lose fair and square. Right. And yes, there was no disqualification. Um, and the, the 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 Judgment Day is set up for a feud, so they have something going on. Another person I'm excited about under Triple H is Finn Balor. I think he's yes. finally going to get his just due as well. Um, and you're essentially positioning Edge to get those guys over. That's what you do when you feud the veteran with. If the, you're going to do right, if you're going to do it the right way, you're going to let him feud with them a little while. Uh, well, what are we in August now? I would say that by October, Finn Balor has to go over Edge. Yes. In my opinion, anyway, because it only makes sense to let Balor. If you're going to give Balor the push he deserves, he goes over Edge, and then he starts feuding with whoever the champion is before the Rumble, and maybe gets the belt back. If it's not, if it's Roman, I can understand them not doing it that way, but you know, if it's somebody and, else, then and also you can use this as an opportunity. Um, speaking of building new talent, which I think is another thing that's going to be great about Triple H, is I don't we're gonna I think we're moving away not only from Vince but from the era of the part timers being the main eventers, right? And and Triple H knows how to build stars, and you can use this as an opportunity to. T- I don't know who you know. I'd have to look at the roster and maybe I could give you a better answer. But you take somebody that's young. And up and coming, and you pair them up with Edge. And not only right. is he building, not only is he building Priest and Balor by working against them, but you you take another younger guy and they work with Edge. And now you've built three stars using Edge to do so, which is what he wanted to do by coming back anyway. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. We then go to a vignette for uh, Baron Corbin and Pat McAfee, uh, and I have to say that I, I knew this going in, but I didn't realize how much history these guys had together, that they were both on the Colts at the same time. Mm-hmm. You yes. know what I mean? And uh, that, that added to the match for me, because seeing the, that they kind of had a rivalry when they were in the, on, on, on the Colts, and then Corbin left, and it allowed McAfee to move on to become a great you know punt kicker and whatnot. You know, there's that resentment. 
you know, you made it in the field I filled in. So now here you are in my world in wrestling. And now I got to take you out, you know, my wife cracked me up when this match started, when the video was playing and stuff. Cause uh-huh. she doesn't, she doesn't watch week to week. Obviously she just, right. if I, if I'm, when I'm watching the pay-per-view it's on and she's sitting next to me, but she starts laughing. And I said, what? And she goes, this is funny to me. And I said, why? And she said, because you love that McAfee guy and you hate that Corbin guy. So now you have to watch that Corbin guy. Because I always fast forward past Corbin. Right. I know him. Yep. She's like, you have to watch that Corbin Horrible. guy because he's wrestling that McAfee guy. And I'm like, right. you know what? You're right. But Corbin, Corbin and McAfee had a decent match. No, they did. Was it a five-star classic by any means? You know what I mean? But the storyline and everything going in made it a decent match because and- – and also, Corbin tried everything he could to yes. piss Mac to be off. And also, was it not funny as hell? The choir singing "Bum Ass Corbin." Oh, that was hysterical! <laughs> God, I lost it. That it was, was hysterical. So and he's like, "How did you get them to sing?" When he was yelling, "How did you get a choir to sing this?" He's like, "Wow, that's the best work that Corbin's ever done." Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> so, uh, the, but Pat had a couple nice high spots, a couple of high flying moves that. A guy his size shouldn't be able to do, but he did him. Uh, I would have liked to. I don't know why, because there is a history with Corey Graves and Baron Corbin in NXT. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen Corey Graves get involved for some reason. You know what I mean? Because he was right. dogging Pat on commentary the whole night. You know what I mean? And if maybe Corey would have gotten involved, but then it backfired, might have helped. You know, I don't know. Right. Maybe that's just me because they're both commentators. It would have added to something. But Pat hit a low blow on Corbin, a little payback from SmackDown. And then we saw a, and I hate to say this because it was a good match. Otherwise, we saw a botched sunset flip power. Yeah. And, and I was going to say that. But it was it, okay. It still it, looked good. There were, there were some, there were some moments in there where, where it seemed like Pat's timing was off a little bit or whatever. But I'm willing to forgive it. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a bad botch where anybody got hurt or it mm-hmm. made the match look bad. It came at the ending, the match ended, okay, no big deal, you know. And right. remember guys, I'm the guy that shits on WWE every week. So for me to say that is a big thing to say I can forgive this. Right. You know. Then we go to replays of Drew McIntyre and Sheamus from SmackDown, and then Drew comes out for a little mic time. Um, Drew hypes the crowd and puts over that he's the number one contender. And we'll be fighting at that Clash at the Castle in Wales, which is, I get it, it's historical. It's the first pay-per-view overseas, you know, in England or, you know, that that part of the world in, what, SummerSlam 92? Um, Yeah, that's going to be, I mean, they had UK-only pay-per-views during the Attitude Era, but this will be the first pay-per-view from the UK that's going to air in the United States. Live. Right. Since, yes. You know, since, so. uh, since SummerSlam, and actually, SummerSlam '92 didn't even air live. Right. Um, exactly. It was like it was like two days. It took place, and it didn't air in the states until two days afterwards. So. Right, but I, I'll be honest though, this segment was a little pointless in the middle of a pay per view. I think we could have done this on Raw or SmackDown the following night, mm-hmm. but I guess in Triple H's mind, Drew wasn't on the card, so let's get him out in front of the crowd. Right. And make them remember who he was. His magic sword made fireworks, so that was cool, I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I uh, have power. Yeah, that's what I felt like. He was He-Man. He was like, what did my magic sword do? I'm like, really, Drew? <laughs> you know. We then go to the Usos versus the Street Prophets. And the 
special guest referee uh, makes his way to the ring first. It's uh, Jeff Jarrett, a.k.a. the Ric Flair murderer. Um, and I still don't understand. I get there in Nashville, but why is Jeff Jarrett the referee of this match? Yeah, and, and not only that, but he's in his hometown, and when he came out, the crowd went mild. They're booing. They're yeah. booing, and they're not even champ. They're not cheering. They might, have even, they might have even cheered better if he didn't come out to the Double J music. Right. Maybe he had come out right. to the uh, the the Jeff TNA, Jeff, my world or something, or the De- yeah. Jeff Jarrett Deborah music. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I feel he should have came out in a shirt and sunglasses and said, "Don't piss me off" or something. You know what I mean? And then put yeah. on the referee shirt. But whatever the case may be, um, both teams had a good match, but it was the exact same match they had at the last pay per view. You know, you know what's funny is is I actually wrote down, um, I, which match did you say was your least favorite of the night? Was it the uh, uh, Morgan versus Ronda Rousey? Oh, okay. See, I don't know why I, there was a ma- there was a match earlier. I thought you said was, but anyway, um, this was actually my least favorite match of the night. Well, no, and, the match I wasn't interested in until I watched it was Logan Paul versus. Okay, Miz gotcha. Match. Yes, yeah. But the the this was actually my least favorite match of the night, and it has nothing to do with the work. It has to right. do with, just like you said. First of all, I'm tired of watching these two teams wrestle each other. Right. Secondly. Most of their matches are ex- the same match. It's the same match over and over again. I literally wrote down super kick, double team move, and splash outside. That was it. That's all they do in every match. Yes. You know what I mean? And look, I get it. They're the only two established tag teams right now. They're still building the Viking Raiders. New Day has kind of played out because we got the Usos versus the New Day way too much, too. But there's got to be another tag team. Why couldn't it just be Chad Gable and Otis in this role? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just, like, you've overused the Street Profits to the point now I want Montez Ford to to turn heel and become a solo star and send Angelo Dawkins back to NXT. And that yeah. might be coming. That might be coming based on the end of the, the, the you know, uh, Tez's uh, expressions and stuff during the... Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see if they would if they would split them up. What he Okay, I've always said this, and you know I've said this, Mm-hmm. I think that bell to bell in the ring, those two guys are fantastic. I like I like both of them, but they're they just annoy the shit out of me. And um, I don't know. I just the, the we want the smoke thing and all that. And they're, yeah. I would love to see what is the potential. What does Montez Ford have as a heel? Because he's a fantastic athlete. He's right. a great wrestler, and he can talk. Yes, he can, you know. but just the presentation of them annoys the shit out of me. So I would actually love to see them broken up, honestly. Mm-hmm. I agree, and not in a crime time way. Let's not go, no, go crazy no. by putting this guy over here and this guy over there and then have them having meaningless feud, and then they both die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In the, in the On the roster. Right. Uh, they, they need, uh, you know, like I said, maybe put Angel Dawkins back in NXT and build him up again. But, again, same match, though. Usos win with the 3D. Um, again, good match. I'm not complaining, but nothing new. Right. You know what I mean? Give me, you know, the thing about the Usos in the New Day that was so good was you gave the, us them in a ladder match, a, a, a Hell in a Cell, a false Count Anywhere match. You know what I mean? There was substance. Right. What did you give us here, Jeff Jarrett? Right, yes. You know, that was going to change. I would have rather them given us Rikishi as the referee Oh, is he going to, you know, try to help his sons or is he going to do something that pisses them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something that would have made sense. 
You know what I mean? But it just it's it, this is Vince's booking. Yeah, we got to get Jeff Jarrett. It's Nashville. He'll he'll be he, over yeah, with everybody. He's in the office now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, we then get a vignette to show the quick history between Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. This should not have gotten a vignette, in my opinion. They only fought, they only had the cash in that money in the bank three weeks ago. Like, right. what are you showing me here? That they, they mm-hmm. talked on SmackDown four times, you know. What yeah. I mean? yeah. <laughs> so, and then we we go and and just like the rivalry, this was quick. Liv and Ronda had no chemistry and were a bit botchy. Liv's arm got hurt at one point, and that's why I did. that part pissed me off. I get she might have gotten legit hurt, but you literally stopped the match and had the doctor come and check on her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I hate when they do that during a match because that doesn't make it re- now it's fake. You know right, what I mean? Yes. When you have to stop the match to put on the gloves because he's bleeding. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, do this after the match. End it quickly then. Let it be one, two, three, and let it go into the back and get checked on. As far as the length of the match, from what I understand. Five minutes. It was uh, it was actually cut short mm-hmm. because Miz and Logan Paul went over time. Right. But, yeah, I mean, again, I just... But explain this one to me, though. Miz and Logan Paul, here, I have it in my notes, when 15 minutes, you cut Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle from the card. Right. There wasn't any time for this match then? No, because we, we have to have commercials for Peacock that I'm already watching. Yeah. Right, exactly. So Morgan gets locked in an armbar, and she stacks up Ronda, which I thought, okay, that's – hey, I like that kind of finish. It's like Brett and Bulldog where they were, he was in the sleeper, and then Bulldog rolled back, and Brett didn't realize his shoulders were down. I enjoy those kind of finishes and matches. But then Liv tapped out at the count of two, and the referee didn't see it and counted three. You know what I mean? Yes. Like Liv's timing was really off. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I was gonna say. I like the concept of the finish, mm-hmm. but the execution was bad, and I think it was more just a timing thing on Liv's part. Right, which she might have legit got hurt. Maybe that's why it was cut short too a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe the doctor realized her arm got dislocated or whatever the case may be. Right. And look, I love Liv Morgan. I think she deserved to do the cash in and be the women's champion right now. But I also think that after Ronda got injured during her match with Natalia. Ronda should have went away for about a month or two and let Liv have a nice title reign for two months mm-hmm. and then had this match. We should not have done it at the next pay-per-view because now you're showing that Liv Morgan cannot actually handle somebody like Ronda Rousey. Right. So we got this botchy finish. And then the post-match, Ronda turns heel again and goes and injures the arm of Liv even more, freaks out on a referee. So this is now the second time Ronda Rousey has been made to turn heel because the fans really don't like her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I think it's time we end the Ronda Rousey experiment. We make her either an attraction who shows up around WrestleMania time. You know what I mean? To fight whoever the bully is or yeah. whoever the next big thing is or whatever. Or we let her go and be home with her daughter and be a mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, other than, other than bringing mainstream people to the product, I've always said she doesn't add much. Um, no, man, no. I, I don't know, and I, and I'm not I'm not at all uh, dismissing the woman. She's a bad, no. but I just when she's uh, when she's on, I don't feel like I need to be watching her. So. Right, it's the same basic match again: arm drag, arm bar, that yeah. rolling uh, 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 fireman's carry she does. 
You know what I mean? She barely sells. She's constantly fixing her gear. I think they need to get the woman a pair of pants instead of those short shorts she wears. Because right. <laughs> she's always pulling something out from under there. But whatever the case may be, it happens. Whatever. Then we got that tease between Seth Rollins and, and Matt Riddle. And and I was, love this. Yes, I agree. It was a yeah. nice continuation of storyline. Not just that. This is Triple H. Mm-hmm. This was, for those of you that are 25 years old and have never actually witnessed a professional wrestling angle, this is what a pro wrestling angle looks like. Right. The heel comes out, does the baby face comes out and says, come out here, you motherfucker, you no good, lousy son of a bitch. I want you in this ring right now. I don't care if my shoulders hurt or not. And then the heel comes out and he doesn't do anything redeemable. He goes in right. immediately from where he knows the guy's injured. He right. attacks takes him out again. And then officials come out and they break it up and the heel gloats and the baby face lays there with a I right. still fight you look on his face. This was a pro wrestling angle. And I, I almost cried. I was like, I haven't seen this in, in years. Right. It had, <laughs> we have not seen anything with continuation like this in years. Including and AEW, by the include, way. That doesn't happen on AEW. The biggest continuation we saw was Ruby Riot getting her hand broken. Oh, right. Okay. You know, and I know her name is Soho, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't correct me by telling me, hey, that's not her name anymore. If JR could do it. I can do it too. Okay. Um, so then we get Mayor Kane. Mayor Kane comes comes out, and I I I apologize what I'm about to say. I'm not being heartless, but this is a man who just a couple of weeks ago said that he was very happy that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Yeah. So I thought maybe that was a bad look of bringing him out of television. Also, he completed the attendance by Mm ten thousand. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: How do you inflate the? Can you still hear me? Yeah. How do you inflate the attendance by 10,000 when they hold 100,000 people in that arena? That football stadium. You know what I mean? (laughs) Why are you lying even? You knew you were below 52,000 anyway. What did an extra 10,000 mean? Exactly. You know? (laughs) But that's Nick Kondo because he's the one that booked all these stadium shows for them. Mm -hmm. They were going to make big, crazy money. And I'm sure 40,000 people was, was good money for them. But... You know, you're you're there to announce forty eight thousand fans, and then immediately get called out on bullshit because somebody goes and says there was only thirty eight thousand paid, right? You know, yeah. so. And I mean, they have they just have to realize that in in modern wrestling, and I don't know if Triple H can turn it around. He was booking, but in modern in the modern day of wrestling, you're not going to fill a stadium unless it's WrestleMania. That's right. the only way you're going to fill a stadium, right? So anyway. And I mean, after the failed experiment of Money in the Bank having to be moved because they couldn't sell out or at least get to 40,000 fans in the Raiders Stadium in Vegas, right? they could have immediately canceled where SummerSlam was going to be and move it to a smaller venue because they had tickets already sold for SummerSlam by then. So they knew what it was looking like already. Mm-hmm. You know? But case hurrah, hurrah. We, get, uh, we then go to the vignette giving us the long history between between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, um, which it, it's gotten better the last couple matches. I will say that, you know, the, the feud has gotten a little better, uh, but I'm, I, I wrote this down. I said, please let this be the final match. 
You know what I mean? I, I can't handle any more Lesnar reigns. You know? Yeah. It, and I think that was I think that was actually Vince's intent because they were booking it as the last time these two right. guys were gonna face each other. Right. And and it is what it is, and, and you know, this was probably the best match they've had. So they actually got time. It wasn't a quick one, two, three match, you know, like they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. I have to say Brock's entrance was fun and lightened the mood a bit, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Coming out with that tractor. Uh, once the match got started, it was all Lesnar for the first five minutes. He literally beat the crap out of Roman Reigns. Um, it wailed on him with elbows, right hands, a couple of suplexes here and there. And then thanks to Paul Heyman, which, as it should be, Roman Reigns took control and put Lesnar through a few tables. And I did not expect that. Yeah, I'll be honest. Neither did I. I, did, I didn't either. But it's what that's what a manager should be. Bobby Heenan's best thing about him was being the the chicken shit heel on the outside who would pull the leg or get the guy's distract uh, eye for a minute. You know what I mean? Yes. It's what we loved about managers. You know. So. Um, and then we go to uh, the uh, Austin Theory attempts to cash in, which I thought he was going to. Nate, he gave the briefcase over, and some people are confused on whether it was actually a cash in or not. I think no, because the referee didn't call for the bell. They didn't announce anything. Yes. Lesnar just came over and hit him with an F five. Yeah, and it was it was definitely an attempted cash in, which is good because right. it leaves the briefcase in play. Right. So it would be nice if they tease him though and tell him no, it was a cash in and make him think he doesn't have the briefcase for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then <laughs> Back to him, like maybe he puts in a phone call to Vince or something. You know what I mean? Even though yeah. Vince is there, he still doesn't he doesn't even have to say Vince. He could just be like, "I made a phone call to somebody." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Austin Theory is then out of the match. Here come the Usos. They help distract. They help beat down on Lesnar a little bit. The ending was it great? No, but it certainly wasn't. John Cena tying Batista to the ring post and making him not be able to stand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> they actually beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar, threw everything at ringside on him, and then Brock couldn't stand up anymore. So my notes about this one, my biggest notes are, mm-hmm. this was, okay, there's a few things I really liked about this. Firstly, it was it was like I said, it was the most exciting thing that these two have ever done against each other. Yeah. Um, there was also the reason I loved this was because literally there were moments in this match where I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know that Brock was going to get to his feet. You know, I didn't know that Roman was going to get to his feet. They really, really had me on the edge of my seat and I didn't know who was going to win. Secondly, WWE, at the end of the day, a lot of times is about the spectacle. And the whole whole tractor with the ring, it was like Attitude Era spectacle at its best. Because there's a lot of Attitude Era spectacle that is stupid. But this was Attitude Era spectacle at its best. And I thought it was so well done. And if this is the last chapter, which I hope it is, because like everybody else, I'm tired of seeing these two guys 
against each other. Right. If this was the last chapter, it was a last good fitting chapter. And what a last good fitting chapter to Vince McMahon's booking right. in the WWE. Right. I I do agree. And you want to know what? I like the way that they did that with the tractor because you meant, just like you said, it was that attitude era moment because it was like the first time they broke the ring, you know, with Big Show and, and yeah. doing the suplex. That got overdone and overplayed, so they can't do that anymore. Or yeah. when Austin when Austin came out with the Zamboni. Right. You know. Exactly. Exactly. A tractor was a little slow, but it did what it had to do. Exactly. Yeah. Someone remarked in the chat, too, last night that the tractor was just as slow as the Undertaker's entrance. You know, it, it yeah. wasn't faster. Lesnar could have made it to the ring much faster. They've obviously <laughs> never lived in farmland like I do, because when right. you get behind one of those things on a two-lane, it's like, oh my god, I'm never going to make it. And they don't, and they know they're being inconsiderate by being in the middle of the road with that big-ass tractor or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, um, all in all, it was a good show, in my opinion. The Rollins and Riddle segment helped progress the storyline. Edge and Bailey's return debuts at Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. And some damn good matches during the show allowed me to give SummerSlam a 4 out of 5. Here's to the Triple H era of the WWE. Exactly. I agree. And um, I know this is longer than your show usually is because oh, I'm here being long-winded. Long because of how, how much we had to cover, so it doesn't matter. But before I let you get to the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, which I did not see, so I'll kind of be a spectator listening along with the That's with the right. listeners. But um, the other thing I want to say about this show is I agree with you, four out of five. Um, but my one of my biggest notes is it was so refreshing to hear commentary without Vince in the headset. And when Michael Cole, Corey Graves said, I don't like you when you have an opinion <laughs> said well the lots a lot has changed Corey. i was like thank you <laughs> yes i was yes. like even he understood vince was holding him back on commentary and and yeah. fucking byron saxton had a little bit of a spine right on this show he got a couple things a little wrong though he, he mentioned at one point in the opening match oh yeah <laughs> He told her, uh, he said, Glamazon slam to the face of Becky, and she hit her in the sternum. And I was like, where was that her face? Wait, <laughs> what did I miss? You know? Yeah. But Byron Sexton, they got a call to, you know, what he saw. He probably saw it as her face on the camera. But, yes, the announcers were miles different. That was so nice. It, so, it was so nice to hear. You mentioned that they're calling us fans again. Mm-hmm. You know, they're calling them superstars again, too. It's not just sports entertainers. Belt. Belt, right. Which Cody Rhodes said in an interview recently, because someone told him, so what are you going to do when you win the World Heavyweight Championship? And he said, well, if they allow me to hold the belt, and then the guy said, wait, you're not allowed to say that word. And he said, well, here's the thing. They could find me $1,000 every time I say the word belt. But yes, it's a championship, but it's also a belt that goes around my waist. Mm-hmm. So it's a belt, and he's right. Yes, title. It's a belt. It's a championship. Any one of those three can be used. I also <laughs> heard. I also heard the expression "title shot" and not "title opportunity." Right, right. So yeah, I mean, just the little changes out of the show have me very optimistic it's about. Blake held a meeting and said, "Look, everything that the old man taught you, forget it." Yeah, 
<laughs> and let's hope let's hope the name thing goes out the window too. Yeah. You know. Um yeah. I know I know that they're they're copyrighted as riddle in theory now, so they're probably gonna just roll with that. But um going forward, hopefully the name edict is gone too, because that was also stupid. It it made no sense. I mean, look, I, I understand that Antonio Cesaro doesn't get over as much as just Cesaro does. Mm-hmm. Fine for him. But you didn't put the damn guy over anyway, so it didn't matter. But and yeah, Biggie is better than Biggie Langston. But Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle, you know. Right, the, and that's his name. It's his actual name. <laughs> so, but it is what it is. I, I just hope, and I'm from what we're seeing, continues, and that tomorrow night on Raw uh, that we see. Look, I I don't expect amazing changes overnight. No, like, no, it'll be great. on with this gradual change that by Mania, all of us look around and go, wow. This is what wrestling is again. Yeah. And what, what what people that are watching have to understand, and I think sometimes people forget, this is this is a publicly traded company. Right. On the stock market. Radical change does not do well for your stock price. Right. So you will see gradual change because they they don't want to a lot of the people that own stock in WWE probably don't even aren't even wrestling fans. Right. <laughs> so to them, they aren't going to want to see, they aren't going to want to wake up tomorrow morning and see a vastly different product than they watched yesterday. Exactly. Cause they're going to worry about their stock prices. And I understand that it's a, you know, it is what it is, but I think like you said, by WrestleMania, it's going to be a completely different product. And it'll be a nice breath of fresh air again. Absolutely. Again, we ne- we don't expect the Attitude Era back because nobody would be able to handle that. Mm-mm. But we expect a, a nice breath of fresh air, new beginnings where we can say, I mean, I enjoyed Raw this week. Or I didn't enjoy it, but it was at least better than what it was six months ago. <laughs> or I didn't fast forward to two right. hours of it. Yes. Right. I wanted to hear what Seth Rollins said tonight because it's not the same depth promo he's been cutting for six months yeah (laughs) so moving on to our last show it is ring of honor uh, death before this honor which happened last saturday night so it's yes one week in the books but uh, this is one of the shows that i promised that we look at this week and the night of action starts off with going to the ring and we have a ring of honor world title match as our first match holy shit Mm -hmm. and i did see this match and it was good but who puts their world title on first and who gives them only 16 minutes when you have two of the world's best technical wrestlers going at it? Right. You know what I mean? This was a masterpiece from beginning to end, but both with both men pulling out all the stops, we saw the big swing early on, but it only got a two count. Of course, it was only two minutes in. Gresham reversed Claudio, and we used some menacing-looking submission moves. That's one thing I will say about Jonathan Gresham. He is a submission master. He reminds me of a Dean Malenko, uh, uh, Chris Benoit. You know what I mean? He knows how to transition from one move to another, Nate. Mm-hmm. And I like that about him. You know, uh, they continued back and forth with reversals. But in the end, Cloudy got the win in 16 minutes. I wanted it to go longer, but it was great. Your winner and new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. I know I'm going to butcher his last name. Claudio Castanali. 
wins the Ring of Honor title for the first time, Nate. Great match. And then we found out more later on, which I'll get into in a minute. But what did you think? You saw, said you saw the match. What did you think? I, I have seen. I have watched this match, and I have watched the uh, the Briscoes FTR match. Okay. Um, Both good matches. <laughs> my joke is they did it early and only sixteen minutes because Tony really wanted to hug Claudio. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but <laughs> what I will say is again, great match. Um, Claudio being the Ring of Honor champion, if 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 Tony's really trying to build that brand, this is the guy you want to revolve the promotion around. Great. What I will say is, and, and I know I know the temptation is there. My my opinion would be, you don't have Claudio show up in AEW at all. Let him be the Ring of Honor guy. Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to pay him True. a salary anyway. He's going to get paid. Right. If you're trying to build this brand, leave him there. Let him be the Ring of Honor guy. The only problem is, is with no TV deal, he kind of has to show up to still remain relevant for that company then. Right. You know, they can right. get a deal locked in. If Tony can get one more hour of TV on either TBS or TNT or any one of Turner's other show channels, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you get them one hour for Ring of Honor, then by all means, I agree with you. Claudio should stay with Ring of Honor and still have Regal go back and forth because Regal is his manager. Right, right. Yeah. But yes, I thought the match was uh, easily if I'm if I'm if I'm going five stars, it's easily a four and a half star match. I agree. Had they gone, and, it would have been a five star match in my opinion. Yes. So, um, ending of the match, Grisham shakes Claudio's hand. Regal puts the belt on him. He thanks the fans. They walk away. The very next day, Nate, it comes out that the reason this all happened was because Jonathan Grisham asked for his release from the company because, one, Tully Blanchard is no longer with AEW because he doesn't want to be a part of the company anymore. Mm -hmm. He feels that his size is what's keeping them from pushing him the right way. And he feels that he does not get the respect he deserves despite being the Ring of Honor champion even when the company was closed and defending the belt all over the world, which, again, I agree with. He deserves a little more respect. Did Claudio deserve to win? Yes, but I think Grisham could have been pushed more since he signed with AEW and given him a better title run rather than, okay, you defended it twice, and now you're going to lose it to Claudio at the pay-per-view. And this is one of those things, and it's kind of like the MJF thing. Right. Where I have thought over the past probably six months – is and I, I have made the joke a, a number of times um, on multiple podcasts, but Tony Khan is is essentially a rich boy playing with his live action action right. figures. And I think that the the past six months with the MJF thing, the Gresham thing, Tony Khan for the first time is being tested as a real wrestling promoter because he's finally having talent. He's finally having to deal deal with talent issues. Right. And people wanting, you know, dealing with egos and dealing with contracts and dealing with, you know, for the longest time, it was all happy fun time at AEW. Right. Um, That's and right. Everybody was enjoying each other's company. Yeah. It was like, a, it was like a, it was like a club, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and now it's a business and it's going to be interesting to see because man, that guy wigs me out. But anyway, and it's going to be They've got about seven contracts about to come up from the original stars that were signed when they first opened. And he did, he said when he doesn't want a new contract, he just lets them 
run out mm -hmm. rather than releasing somebody or, or talking about the contract. So it's I'm wondering who one of those seven people are because that could be Pac because he was signed immediately. That right. could be Adam Page. That could be the the you know some of the younger tag teams like F, like you know. So it really makes you wonder who's coming up for contract negotiation. And not not to mention another test for Tony is for the past what when did AEW start? Is it three years now or three, four years? Three, three years. years. Yep. For the past three years, his his competition, granted, has been the biggest wrestling company in the history of the world, but it's also been an addled old man, right? Who most of us think that his booking was out of date and weird, right? And we were kind of tired of it, and now his competition is fucking Triple H, right? Who was keeping pace with him on Wednesday nights, yes, but not keeping the exact same which. Who wants to watch two wrestling shows on Wednesday night? That was the main problem there. But mm -hmm. now you've got the guy pissed off on Wednesday night doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right, yes. <laughs> and that's that's going to be a test for him because there's going to be a lot of guys on his roster. And I don't care what anybody says. Like I said, it's happy fun time at AEW. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of guys on his roster going, oh, Triple H is in charge now? Adam Cole is probably crying that he didn't hang out six more months. <laughs> right. I bet Roderick Strong and Tommaso Ciampa are so happy right They're now. Smiling. And Johnny Gargano is sitting there going, I'm happy I didn't sign with anybody yet. <laughs> I'm happy I just stayed retired for a few months because my my buddy's back in power. Right. Now, yes. So we then go to an interview, though. Uh, Lexi is interviewing Daniel Garcia, who I like. I think Daniel Garcia is a great talent about his Ring of Honor pure title match later. And Garcia talks big a big game. And I'm betting on Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta tonight because, in my opinion, Wheeler Yuta is, is very young. He's got the combat qu qu crowd with him, you know, William Regal's group with him. Mm -hmm. I just like Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta a little more. I don't know why. Maybe because Garcia's with Jericho and that whole Jericho Appreciation Society thing, but... Uh, we then go to a six-man tag team title match, which is Dalton Castle and the boys. Not a character I like very much, but it's okay. And they're taking on the Righteous, which I thought would have been a great um, crew to be in the WWE. Uh, it's Vincent, uh, Derek Bateman, and Dutch, who are dressed all in white and come out to the spooky-ass music. Started out with a lot of comedy, Nate, and then changed into a good six-man tag. A lot of high spots, double team moves. The boys got thrown all around the ring because they only weigh like 120 pounds each. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Dalton Castle hit his finisher on uh, Vincent to get the win in about 10 minutes. Again, another short match. And we have new six-man tag team champions in Dalton Castle and the boys. Not a great match, but it was decent. You know what I mean? For what it was, it was okay. Um, we then hear from Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Giant, who I... Apparently, his name is Satam Sanjay or something like that. I, I don't know his exact name. Um, it's the same promo they've been cutting for the last month, though. I'm sure you've watched AEW and heard them talk. Yes. It's, we want Samoa Joe. When's he coming back? We're going to take the title. Every week, it's been the same thing. And I'm not complaining, but they've done everything to get this match over. Meanwhile, Joe has been all filming a movie. Right. Maybe putting the Ring of Honor TV title on Joe wasn't the right move, you know. Yeah, but we then go to Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia for the pure title. Two young men walked into this match and they went toe to toe. The crowd was behind both 
Each man found a way to reverse whatever the other one was trying to do. Garcia locked in a damn good-looking sharpshooter. I've never seen it applied like that, Nate. But he literally had it almost like a Boston crab. But mm -hmm. with leg through it, and he was wrenching back all the way to, to Yuta's head. Um, Yuta then found a reversal into a bulldog headlock. And it was then met with a regal stretch by Garcia, which was a smack in the face to William Regal that he was doing his move. Um, after a couple more minutes of back-and-forth action, Yuta hit a surprising pin and gets the win in 16 minutes and is still the Ring of Honor Pure Wrestling Champion. They deserve their 16 minutes. That was all this match should have been because they were two young, brash guys. But in my opinion, they did the job quickly and what it was supposed to be. I'll have to seek that match out because I'm actually interested in watching it, but I have not seen it, so I can't give my opinion. But I'm definitely going to seek that out. Technically sound as they come. There was no blood. It wasn't gory. You know, it was just a straight knockdown drag out wrestling match. Mm -hmm. uh, we then go to Rush versus Dragon Lee. It's Battle of the Brothers. I, what I don't get is the guy's name is spelled Rush, R-U-S-H. But they call him Roosh. Roosh. I don't know why. And it pisses me off when they call him that. <laughs> it's like an Englishman who pronounces every word phonetically. You yeah. Know? I can't handle it. It just pisses me off. But with hard-hitting match that went all over the ring, uh, Rush punished Dragon with constant shots to the head. But the younger brother Lee battled back. They traded chops and had the crowd on their feet until Rush rolled Lee up and got the win in 15 minutes. Excellent match, possibly the show stealer in my opinion, uh, because even though they had that Lucha Libre style, it wasn't that sloppy Lucha Libre style. You know where it's right. like, going to fall every five seconds? Mm -hmm. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with everything they had in this one. Uh, then get a vignette showcasing Serena D versus Martinez. I didn't realize they had, again, this much history, but apparently they almost broke in together. So I didn't know Mercedes Martinez has been around that long. Uh, both women showed heart and determination throughout the women's title match. Deeb kept to, uh, kept it going to the ground for as long as possible with submissions and had her ground and pound style. But Martinez kept coming back and matching Deeb. Top rope suplex only got a two count for Mercedes. But when she went to finish Deeb off, her opponent collapsed. Deeb reversed the surfboard. And this match raged on. I was surprised they actually gave them this much time, considering the world title only got 15 minutes earlier. Uh, Deeb applied a leg submission, but Martinez found a way out of it, and they continued to reverse one another. But Mercedes got in a version of the Dragon Sleeper, and Deeb had no choice but to tag at, tap out at the 17-minute mark. Mercedes Martinez is still the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Another great match here. My only problem with is. Serena Deeb is now at a shot at three women's titles. The TBS, the TNT, and the Ring of Honor Women's World Title. She has yet to win a title. Hmm. But she is by far, in my opinion, one of the best women's wrestlers that I've seen on any roster. So, I don't get it. Considering the, going into the show, the reigning ROH champion... I'm not surprised that match was shorter than this one. Sorry. Very, I had to make the joke. Very funny. Don't let Jordan Grace hear you say that because she'll beat you up. That's her husband, and she hates when people bother his size. <laughs> That's a woman who needs to stay off of Twitter and social media altogether. She yes. diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> so we get the vignette for Joe versus Lethal, which has just been lethal talking for a month straight. But then the history between the two of them and how they broke in together and... Lethal was a trainer of Joe, and 
match starts on the aisle, and for about five minutes, they fight on the outside of the ring. This allowed Saddam Singh, or whatever the giant's name is, to get involved and give Lethal the advantage. Yeah, isn't that the guy that was coming to WWE forever? <laughs> that was Veer Mahan. I know. I just, they look the same to me. So this is apparently a former basketball player, my son told me, because when he saw him on the screen, my son's like, what the F is he doing there? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he used to be on the, the, um, the team with, uh, what's his name? Uh, that, David Robinson used to play on. The oh, uh, the Spurs? Spurs, yeah. I'm like, really? He was a basketball player? He's like, Dad, he was the clumsiest basketball player ever. <laughs> so so he gets involved. That allows Lethal to get the advantage. Once in the inside of the ring, the bell finally rings. because The match didn't even start yet. We saw a war, a pure hatred come between these two men. Lethal hit Joe with everything he had, but it just wasn't enough. Joe fought back even with injury and took Lethal down. Joe hit his finisher, which I believe it was the Muscle Buster, but it's been a week, don't quote me on it, and got the win, a massive win to retain the TV title in 20 minutes. And again, your world title only got 15 minutes, but your women's title and your your TV title got this. It's like, why? I yeah. understand he acts for his release, but couldn't you give Claudio the respect of a 30-minute match? You right. Know? It always it comes back to that all night long, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I have to say, though, the show just kept getting better as the matches progressed. Each match outdid the next. And then we come to our main event, which you mentioned that you did see as well. Briscoe Brothers versus FTR. Nate, before we get into the match, I I have to say, Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler are by far, forget the Young Bucks, forget the Usos, forget past, you know, the last 10 years. FTR, in my opinion, is the best tag team that we've seen in a decade. They are the best. They're the best tag team. They're the best tag team since probably the Dudleys. That's what I'm saying. Um, and uh, the Young Bucks can piss up a rope. Well, you know how I feel about the Young Bucks. I think that they have a style people do like nowadays. And they have gotten over in other companies too, but FTR is just on another level. Oh um, yeah, of every it's not just the 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 submission, it's not just the high flying, and it's not just the double teaming. These two guys know where each other are throughout the entire match, so when they need help, they know where their partner is to get it. You know what I mean? Well, and and to be honest with you, and I don't know if I I probably said it in one of our podcasts because we have seventy four thousand of them but um my the minute literally the minute that i was finally like vince mcmahon has lost his fucking mind let these two guys go yes that was it that was that was the watershed moment for me where i was like it's time for vince to go because if he doesn't see this he's totally gone Right, they're so good. This was the best tag team match in twenty years. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. It was it's the match I've been waiting for, actually, Nate, because since they had their original match for the titles a few months ago, I've been wanting to see these teams do it again. And now mm-hmm. we have goals. Good feeling out process process between both teams. And neither could get a clear advantage in the early going. FTR began to pull away, but the Briscoes fought back and separated Dax from Cash, which is not done easily. 
Because like I said, these two guys always seem to be around when there's a pin going on or something. They they know how to break it up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even when these two guys fought each other in the Owen Hart tournament, I've, I've never seen two guys mesh together that well since like Arn and Tully or the Midnight Express. You know what I mean? It's 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 poetry when you watch these two guys wrestle. It's like watching Brett and Jim Neidhart. Right. Exactly. And they have that throwback feel down from their music, their gear. You know what I mean? It's it's unbelievable the way that they go. Uh, the Briscoe surprised Cash and, and uh, Dax by winning the first fall after 15 minutes, which, again, that basically you, you've just topped the world title match by going 15 minutes. To the- <laughs> you know. Match resumed. We saw these two teams go even harder in the second fall. Uh, the Briscoes almost had it won a couple of times, but FDR, FDR kept fighting back. Hit their finisher, which I absolutely love. And I love that nobody else does it, Nate. That double team into the double knees. They call it the big rig, I think. Yes. It's fantastic. It's, um... I'm, I, I'm trying to formulate a thought here the uh, that move is what brought it to me yeah these guys and this is a big statement because i love both of these teams but these guys are like like the heart foundation and i know i mentioned them a minute ago but it's like if you if you took the heart foundation and mix them with the midnight express right they're that good. I mean, they're that fucking good. Um, th- they might be when we when we have a show ten years from now. Right. I might say FTR is the greatest tag team of all time. I could agree with you on that. You know, and and that's not. I mean, I know I'm going on a limb there, and some some old timers are going to go, well, what about Rocca and Perez or whatever? Fuck you. Right. Um, <laughs> they, they just and and I love the Heart Foundation. And I love the Midnight Express. But when you get two guys that can combine that those two styles, right? And are we ta- are we talking about the greatest tag team of all time? You know. And right now they're the greatest tag team, like we said in the last decade. Oh yeah, hands down. At twenty years, we we're going to be putting them in. It's going to it's going to be Heart Foundation, FTR, Midnight, Rock and Roll. You know what I mean? They they. Mm-hmm. You know, I look. I, I we haven't seen them go up against guys like a Road Warrior type of tag team yet, but I think even there they excel. You know, and the Briscoes are as close to a Road Warrior tag team in my opinion. In that they they're they're crash. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. it's crazy moves and you know hurting their opponents. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Dax and Cash tied up. We're at one apiece, which of course you expect that in a best two out of three falls match. No two out of three falls match should end two falls straight to the winner. You right. know, always go to third fall. And it just kept getting better. We saw a doomsday device from the Briscoes pin breakup with Mark and Jay looking frustrated. After the Briscoes had both Dax and Cash locked in a double submission, which I thought was unbelievable. They were literally holding each other's hands so the other one wouldn't tap out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mark and Cash went through a table on the outside. Jay hit the Jay driller on Dax, but it was a close two count and the match rolled on. Jay went to the top rope, got cut off by Dax, and we saw a top rope pile driver, which I don't know how he protected him so well, but he did. Yes. 
which allowed Dax to get the win for his team after 40 hellacious minutes. FTR retains. In my opinion, this is match of the year. I agree. I agree. Um, and it might be it. It is the best tag team match in. It is the best tag. This is the best tag team match I've seen in twenty years. And I'm not even overstating or anything. It was tag team masterpiece. Right. It was a war that just kept escalating. They were outdoing one another every chance they got. And that's what you want out of a tag team match because it's not two guys, it's four. Mm -hmm. One guy to raise the other guy up so that he can raise up the other two going. Sort of like we used to see with the Dudleys and Edge and Matt Hardy and and Christian and and Jeff Hardy. They were always looking to outdo each other and that's what I saw in this match. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like you you said it, it was a masterpiece. Post-match, FTR paid respect to the Briscoes, told a lot of the audience how much they love this business. And then Claudio, Regal, and Yuta came out on the stage, and they kind of paid respect, but it also looked like a challenge was being made. You know, like maybe the Ring of Honor Tag Champion versus the Pure and World Heavyweight Champion? I don't know. And that could be a good. That could be a great match too, right? You know, so they do it. When's the next pay per view? They really didn't announce anything yet on the books for Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. if you're going to have these guys being the, the which obviously FTR are going to stay in AEW because they're after all the gold. But if if you got these guys as the Ring of Honor champions here, uh, you got to give them somewhere to to at least give us this four way match. You know, these four guys fighting. Right. You know, so um, death before dishonor, Nate, I'm going to say it. If the, the listeners want to tell me I'm crazy or I gush over AEW or Ring of Honor too much, they can. I gave this a five out of five, though, because like I said, the pay-per-view kept getting better as time went on on the show. And, I, the event- and, I, and I can't rate the pay-per-view because I didn't watch the whole thing, like I said, but I can say... I, I would I would agree with your assessment just because, like I said, that tag team main event was the best tag team match that I've seen since right. probably two. Th- uh, when was the when was the last match that had the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudleys in it? What two thousand two? Uh, yeah, two thousand one. Yep, I think you're right. This was the best tag team match I've seen since then. So that right there that that gives it an A plus for me. Yeah. This, if Ring of Honor had a weekly television show and not a monthly pay per view, because there's too many pay per views on a month. Yeah, every three months have a pay per view. You know what I mean? Do four a year, five. Do four a year, and then your big one. Do the you know your WrestleMania or whatever. Have that be with AEW. You know, cross promotion show, whatever. But if they had a weekly show, I'd still be watching it because I used to watch it when it was on before, and I'd definitely be tuning into every pay per view. So, right. great week of wrestling. Nate, I want to thank you for joining me. Is there anything you'd like to promote before you, before we sign off? As you're listening to the show, you know, as we talk about every week on all of our shows, the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, on fire. Yes, sir. And um, Reliving the Extreme, we have the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Of course, this show, if you smell what the arch is cooking. Mark Brew, highlighting the indie wrestlers on Mark's Indie yes. Spotlight. 
Aaron Maxson discussing the year of 1997 right now on the year that was. Um, myself also in slice of time discussing 97 because that's 25 years ago. Right. Um, David Gold and Cheyenne Ortiz with the Golden Voices. We have a lot going on. Yes. And of course, Wrestle Bash coming up for those of you that are in the Jersey area. August 20th, Parsippany, New Jersey, the biggest wrestling convention of the summer. Absolutely. And the guys, I know, Archie, you're going to be there. Yes. I am not going to be there because that weekend, my, <laughs> my my wife my wife and I actually have to go to Kentucky oh. for her father's 70th birthday. Okay. So, well, you have a legit excuse. Yeah, that's where we will be. Uh, I was really hoping to join, and then the timing just didn't work out. But hey, that being said. There'll be more down the road. You know that. The Asylum absolutely. always loves to put on a good show. And they have got some big talents, Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman, uh, uh, Booker T. So they're right there. You got the NWO. You got three members of the NWO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Other great names like uh, um, Orange Cassidy from AEW, you know, and a bunch of other names from the indie scene. Guys, if you do come out, if you're in the New Jersey, New York, Tri-State area, or even traveling, the five hours, six hours that we're going to be open for, because obviously it's going to open by 9 a.m. and probably be closed by 4 or 5, that five, six hours, whatever it is, guys. You may not have enough time to meet everybody. You know what I mean? Because who's not going to want to talk to Ethan Page for 20 minutes? You know what I mean? Who's right. not going to want to pick Kevin Ash's brain for 10, 15, 20 minutes? Or Buff Bagwell or anybody that's there. You know what I mean? So that is definitely a big thing coming up in just 20 days' time. Less than three weeks. Yes. Um, again, I want to thank Nate Maxson for uh, joining me. I want to thank you guys for listening. We will be back with the Weekend Wrestle podcast this week as well as we continue our rolling down the PWI 500. We're in the 70s now, ladies and gentlemen. Or no, we're in the 80s. Excuse we're me. in the 80s. We only got 84 more names to get down before we hit number one. But we're in the colored pages. That's the fun part. <laughs> and I want to... I want to plug really quick. Yes. Um, I don't actually know when it's going to air, but this Thursday, uh, you know who John Arezzi is? Yes. I am actually going to be a guest on John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast. Very nice. Um, and John did a radio show, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, 30 years ago. He did He did 30 years ago on radio what we're doing now as podcasters. Right. Um. And I'm going to be on the show, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know exactly when it's going to air. We're recording it Thursday. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's going to be a great experience uh, to talk to him. And the, the the thing that made me think of it was the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. His co-host, Bob Smith, is actually the man that wrote yes. the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. Yes, he is. On his own, by himself, he was the one that did the. I think the first two or three of them. So I'm really, in, I'm really looking forward to maybe picking his brain a little bit oh, about yeah. this list. Oh yeah, and so I'm pretty excited about that. Ask a lot. Why, ask them why some guys made it on there three times. Yeah. <laughs> why is the Night Stalker and Brian Clark and yeah? yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> so. Ladies and gentlemen, in closing, also make sure you tune in to Reliving the Extreme this week because I will be doing a pop-in 
to finally make my challenge to Chad Austin. Oh, it is finally the, trivia, time. the trivia challenge? Yes, sir. <laughs> it is finally time for me to put all my cards on the table with Chad Austin because there's been too many months and too much air between us going back and forth. Chad likes to say he doesn't know who I am, but he knows exactly who I am because I made a custom of him a couple of years ago. So he knows who I am. so again thank you guys for listening i will be back next week and of course because there are no pay-per-views going on next week and rick flair is looking to kill himself next week we will be back with nxt AEW, and and nwa and you may actually have a raw worth covering yeah if if raws is good then yes without a doubt it will be added i'll probably make that a a, you know just a skim through and you know talk about it because if Raw and SmackDown get good, I may have to add a spinoff show to just cover them. Right. You never know. So, thank you for joining us. If, if you smell what the arch is reheating. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of maybe like Know Your Roll or something. I don't know. Something yeah. we get with The Rock or maybe not Rock. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, that's the bottom line because that's what Arch 316 said or something. I don't know. <laughs> never know. I'll, I'll come up with I'll steal somebody's tagline. Uh, <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. I will speak to you next week, and I will see you next time on If You Smell what the arch is cooking.